640 Toronto presents Think Tank, the breaking stories you care about. Please tell me. Okay, I'll tell you. The backstories you don't know yet. Answer my question! Facts and opinions that get you through your day. You never know what you're going to get. And now let's meet the guests. And we will do just that in a morning uh, when the news continues to develop, continues to pile up. It's just after 2.30 on the West Bank of Gaza right now. There's footage being released consistently from the Israeli military showing airstrikes targeting buildings. The IDF said in a recent statement, this is just from a few minutes ago, as a matter of fact, its jets had struck more than 200 terror targets in Gaza overnight. Um, So it is one of those days, and we may have several of those in a row um, nothing may be the same since uh, Saturday occurred. Uh, let's meet our guests. As a matter of fact, we welcome on Mitzi Hunter, former mayoral candidate, former liberal MPP as well. It's great to have you here. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving weekend. I, I did, uh, Greg. I had d- double Thanksgiving, in fact. Two of them, as a two for the price of one. Uh, and, and I mean that based on grocery store prices, Mitzi. You had two, maybe you had two for the price of four. I, based on the rate of inflation. And Steve Pakin, author and broadcaster, joins us on Toronto today, as he often does. It's a pleasure to have you on. On a, on a, we'll, we'll lighten it up near the end, but it's a heavy morning. I think that's safe to say, Steve. It is very safe to say. Good morning to you, Greg and Mitzi. Hi, good to be with you both again. Well, let's double back to Mitzi. Um, just the one international story, and it was raw and it was awful and a lot of visuals and sounds that make it one of the worst stories we've witnessed. I drove to Michigan with my son. I listened to Barry Weiss in the car. Uh, She hosts a podcast, former New York Times Times writer, and she talked uh, evoking 9-11 about how people in Israel, and I'm sure they'll be doing it soon um, in Gaza, are looking for loved ones and can't find them. Let's listen to this. What is actually happening is that Innocent people are being hunted down in their homes. I just got sent a, a list that someone put together reminded me a lot of the list that were put together after 9-11 of people desperately searching for their missing friends and relatives. I heard another report from a friend, unverified, but of, of people at Nitivote searching through body bags for their relatives right now. That's Barry Weiss from her podcast, Honestly. Mitzi, um, 2001's a long time ago, and I'm hesitant at times to, to put, pit tragedy against tragedy. But that's what it reminded me of watching me on television Saturday, just jaw on the floor, seeing awful images, trying to picture myself in those positions. What were your emotions on Saturday? Yeah, right. It was just shock, horror, of course, and and disbelief because of the scale and the size of of the destruction, how how quick it happened, how aggressive and uh, and the just the sheer loss of life. I, I mean, it, it just. I just had this very sinking feeling because I know that that the attack on the weekend is obviously, as we're seeing, is going to be strongly answered, and um, and and I worry. So so this is um, you know this is not not news that we wanted to hear on on this weekend, and yet it's it's obviously it's it's upon us, and and we have to now find our way through. Steve, there's two things that seem documented from Saturday that that have led up to this moment now uh, where Israel is is mobilizing and certainly firing back. Uh, Two things. One is that this was an unprecedented assault by uh, Hamas terrorists uh, from Gaza into Israeli towns. Nothing like it had happened before. And the second thing is. I, I don't know that we could have imagined Israel and their defense, land, sea, air, being so caught off guard by this invasion. 
uh, particularly when you consider that apparently the president of Egypt actually called Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister, a couple of weeks ago and, and told him what he and his intelligence sources were seeing, namely that there was a great deal of activity near the Gaza-Israel border and that Israel uh, ought to have their, uh, their antennae up because something was going on. And if we are to believe reports that are coming out of Israel right now, the prime minister uh, did not take those uh, admonitions seriously enough. And, um, well, boy, uh, there's certainly going to be a reckoning in the weeks ahead once all of this immediate stuff is passed. And uh, there are some very hard questions that are going to need to be answered by the Israeli military, political and intelligence establishments as to how they've so botched this one. The dread that people feel, Steve, the dread people feel with relatives in Israel right now, the dread people um, who have relatives anywhere in the Middle East, let alone in, in Gaza right now, are feeling like this has been a decades long conflict. This isn't a, a this isn't the U.S. in Vietnam. This isn't Operation Desert Storm. It's not even Afghanistan like this has been. This has taken generations and it's that constant threat of something like this occurring. Well, Greg, if I'm permitted to be a little personal here for a second, there yeah. are close Pagan cousins of mine that live in Israel. And I have been in touch with them numerous times over the past couple of days. And in fact, offered them if they wanted to, to come to Canada and wait out the war over here. But no, they say they want to hunker down there and stay there. And I don't think, uh, just picking up on your first comment about this is 9-11 for Israel, it's actually not. If It's more like mm. eight or nine 9-11s. I mean, if you consider that 900 Israeli deaths in a country of 9 million people would be the equivalent to something like 30,000 American deaths. So we're talking a scale of seven or eight 9-11s, nine 9-11s. And you can imagine how this has just shaken the average Israeli citizen to the core. They thought they were living in a somewhat secure country, and they now understand that they surely were not. Mitzi, it feels so different than um, as Steve lays that out, and it's so raw and so recent. There's so many Middle East conflicts we watched on TV growing up with our parents, or we read about in the newspapers, talked about with our elementary school teachers. And I just mentioned I was listening to nonstop podcasts, nonstop BBC coverage of this with my 15-year-old driving in the car, pausing it, talking for 10 minutes, playing it again. We've all done this. I, I think what we are really hoping is, is that we wouldn't do this someday, that our kids don't do it someday with their kids, and on and on and on. Like, there's always been frightening moments, but this feels like it's it's a little different. And even locally, in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, uh, wherever we want to localize this, like, there's there's just a tension that, um, that I felt it. I felt it waking up this morning. Yeah, I felt it too, and, and you know, I, I hear you, Steve. Uh, it, it, it is so personal. And, and what, what it sort of evoke for me was sort of those desert storm moments where because everything is so visual now, we see this war and, and we see the casualties of the war right in our faces, right on, you know, in the palm of our hands if we're looking at it on mobile. And and I'm I'm just, you know, I'm hopeful that people don't become desensitized to that that mm. personal impact of of civilians and 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 people whose lives are are altered, you know, forever. And um, you know, I, I really do hope for peace. I'm just one of those people that 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 want to see the the world, 
you know, have that respect and that peace. Um, but this offense that has happened and, and the scale um, and the magnitude of it, I, I just, I know that it has to be, it has to be quelled and it has to be addressed. That's Mitzi Hunter joining us on, on Toronto today. Yeah, feel free, Steve Pakin. Absolutely. Uh, and the reason I wanted to was because I did hear your interview with our United Nations ambassador, Bob Ray, um, oh, I don't know, but I guess about a half an hour ago. And I mean, I've known Mr. Ray for 40 years. And uh, the one thing you could always say about Bob Ray is that no matter how darkest it seemed before the dawn, there was always an element of hope in his voice that somehow uh, cooler heads would prevail and, and we'd be able to emerge from whatever crisis we were in and deal with it. Greg, I, I heard a guy's voice this morning that was, I mean, uh, the best word I can think of, there's this word in French, dégonflé. I mean, just completely deflated. Uh, a, a man who at the moment just doesn't see a way out. And of course, his job is to be part of an infrastructure at the United Nations to help these parties find a way out. And I just remember thinking when I listened to your interview, mm. if even Bob Ray right now feels the hopelessness of this situation, I, I don't know where that takes us. It's just it's 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 inexplicable. I think I think you I think you felt that because there's no room right now, especially for uh, navigating a, a middle ground. There's no there's no negotiation. There's nothing there's nothing even on humanitarian grounds to me, Steve, that the extremes on either side are, are ready to listen to right now. It's just too raw. Correct. And, and, and you know, the, <laughs> both sides are going to want to continue to do their mm. military worst. And we knew after this horrendous attack by Hamas that Israel would reserve the right unto itself, as it always mm. does, to respond uh, oftentimes disproportionately and in a time and in a fashion of its own choosing. And as a result, you're quite right. This is undoubtedly going to go on for days, if not weeks, before any sanity can be brought back to this. This is Think Tank. You're listening to 640 Toronto. That's Steve Pakin. Mitzi Hunter is with us as well. Uh, let's hear from Bob Ray, uh, who we heard from the uh, ambassador to the United Nations representing Canada earlier on the show. I asked him if he thinks Canadians can keep their emotions in check on our streets, in our classrooms, on our sidewalks. It's hard to keep emotion out of it. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's very hard. And it, I think it, in my case, it, I have to, because it's my job, but mm -hmm. As a human being, I just uh, I'm just devastated by what's uh, by what's happened and and also by what's happening because I think that um, what that that of those events on Saturday and Sunday have unleashed is um, is really really hard to control and really hard to to uh, to get to the other side. So it's uh, it's it's very difficult. Mitzi Hunter, we, I don't know whether we can stop rallies. We had one yesterday uh, in support of the Palestinian people, but it's it's a tricky one because you could show up with a Palestinian flag thinking, I ah, sure, I want to advocate for Palestinians to have their own state, and you're welcome to have that opinion. But Hamas is threatening to execute Jewish hostages live on TV, and it seems like that would be perceived because some are people are in the streets cheering for this. It's very, very difficult for police to get involved. It's very difficult to, to again, to use the word to police what people can do when they have, you know, freedom of speech and they can gather in in, in the streets. Yeah, the, the one the one solace, I think, that we have as Canadians is that we give space in our streets 
for different opinions and and so that happened yesterday and and over the weekend because we we don't want this conflict here we want to have dialogue we want to have you know resolution at some point as we make our way through this and so to to see that you know that that the police and 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 our officials were very much um, aware of what was happening and that people expressed opinion and their views but it was done peacefully i believe is is, is important and that we have to we have to keep that i felt that um those that were you know gathering in terms of israel it, it was almost it was a morning it was yeah. you know the loss of life the hostage and and that that emotion of uh of, of how this has happened and why this has happened i think it was very 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 uh, unnerving and very raw, and uh, and we saw that in our political leaders as they they condemned the attack unequivocally and unanimously all around. See, we've seen terribly um, anti-Semitic chants in New York City, in Sydney. I didn't see anything put together yesterday in Toronto documenting this, but again. This is this is an issue. Freedom of assembly. We all we all would advocate for that right to protest. We'd advocate for that. But there often is you swing your leg over that line. And um, and, and I, I don't doubt it. Uh, it affects people very, very viscerally. And when they when they see the images and, and hear the video and hear the audio, see the video and hear the audio we've seen. Yeah, but let me echo what Mitzi just said, and that is I, I like living in a country where we have a constitutionally protected right to freedom of assembly and peaceable demonstration. And I think for the most part, that happened yesterday. Yes, there were, uh, it was a demonstration, a pro-Palestinian demonstration in the afternoon. You can argue about the advisability of doing that uh, after 900 people have been slaughtered, whether or not that is the exact moment you want to be out in the streets uh, championing a Palestinian state and, and cheering the fact that this has taken place. Um, but, but it's legal. Uh, no, they didn't have a permit from City Hall to do so, but they do have a legal right to protest, and they did so. And from what I saw on the social media feeds and the media, uh, it, you know, it didn't get out of hand. Similarly, at Mel Lastman Square last night, uh, same thing. A large crowd, I think former Senator Linda Frum estimated about 15,000 people, uh, gathering, peaceful protest. I think they, they were prepared to really give uh, Mayor Chow a hard time. Yeah. when she showed up, given her first tweets out of the gate during the day. But um, she won the crowd over, I thought. I, I thought her comments uh, hit the right mark for that crowd at that time, and that we actually saw the education of Olivia Chow during the course of the day. Her initial sort of, I'm a lifelong member of the New Democrats, and therefore I sort of side with the Palestinians in this dispute, that came out first during the day. But during the course of the day, uh, presumably some advisors got to her and said, uh, uh, you sure you want to be saying this right now? Uh, 900 people just got slaughtered and there's 100 people taken hostage. And over the course of the day and then by the uh, rally in the evening, uh, she really did sound a a sort of let her know perfect uh, tone of what she ought to be saying at that moment representing all of Toronto and not just one community. Yeah, that's where I want our conversation to head. But, Steve, it's not dissimilar to, you know, I, I was on the air live during 9-11 in Detroit, people calling up going, why do you think this happened? And I'm like, 
oh, I have my theories, but we're all raw in the moment here. That's a September 18th conversation or a September 25th conversation, not justifying it, but explaining it. I thought there was a little too much of that on Saturday. And we'll we'll get to that. Is is that a is that a fair analogy that you, it's so raw in the moment that Saturday people weren't looking for a moral equivalency from anybody, anybody in a moment like that? Totally. I think you've nailed that right on that. Uh, yeah, this this past weekend was not the time for those mm. uh, analyses. I don't believe anyway, uh, suggesting, well, is this Israel's fault? Did, did they deserve all of this? I mean, there were some pretty tone deaf tweets uh, coming yeah. out of, for example, the Canadian Union of Public Employees at McMaster University, who basically said, uh, you know, let's welcome the resistance and uh, t- time for Palestinian freedom is now. 31, 31 different groups at Harvard University have come out and said the whole thing was Israel's fault and they basically deserve what they've gotten. I mean, I'm with you. Uh, maybe a week, two, three down the road, we can have those discussions on day one, on day two. Geez, I don't think so. Let me give you some of Olivia Chow last night and the listeners if they missed it. Uh, as you said, she was able to speak. She was able to put out. But when she uh, put out her, her statement and put out her emotions, she's excellent when she gets into uh, how the heart feels. Uh, here's uh, John Pasternak uh, introducing her at uh, Nathan or rather uh, Mel Lastman Square last night. The mayor of Toronto, Olivia Chow. my friends and I understand in this moment of darkness why you would be angry okay so that's city council John Pasternak introducing uh, Olivia Chow let's go to the uh, the uh, all-star politician because that's that sure isn't Steve and it sure isn't me um, Mitzi that's that's a tough thing to take the stage and uh, and win the crowd over you're already starting from uh, from a position of, of weakness whether you're the mayor of the city or not but Steve brought up something so interesting um, Olivia Chow had to delete a tweet uh, or chose to saying we must also acknowledge Palestinian pain severe loss of life during this time she sent that at two o'clock in the afternoon probably a couple hours after those images um liberal mp naderskin smith deleted a second tweet that was a form of moral equivalency anthony blinken in the united states called for a ceasefire so i'll ask you this i'll ask you this why tweet there's no win for a politician we're trying to consume news get answers on a terrible story if i'm a political handler i'm like i don't want my political person doing this anymore do do i have a case for that well there's there's a lot of pressure to of course respond when something horrific happens around the world that affects us right here we you know we've already heard from steve how personal that attack was on the weekend so to respond is is really important and and sometimes as, as politicians you try to speak to both sides and and you try to you know sort of say you know what what's the right thing at the end of the day this was such a massive raw attack and loss of life that you know trying to to have an intellectual argument about it was not the right time and it was just a time to say we condemn these attacks and they're wrong i mean as simple as that yeah, it's 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 weird, Steve. It's it's like you said, it's people get too into the mix. Maybe they're looking at demographics. They think I must say something here, but I must also say this. There's an attempt to appease and in trying to appease it, like we can disagree always about policy. But 
Some people aren't going to forget Olivia Chow tweeted that out. Some people aren't going to forget that anytime soon from Saturday. They won't, but let's also uh, let, let's cut the mayor some slack right now. Uh, she did over the course of the day improve her performance. And by the time she and, and I know mm. this has probably happened to Mitzi numerous times in her career when she was a cabinet minister, you get up on stage, you're in front of what you fear is a hostile audience. You ask yourself, how am I going to win these people over or how am I going to get an opportunity to say my piece? And at least, you know, I, I need this chance to, to, mm-hmm. to be heard in the hopes of winning them over. You don't know if you'll get that chance. Uh, you heard the booze at the beginning, but she just started in and she said her piece. And she did get interrupted by applause several times. And by the time the speech was over, she really did have the crowd with her. And uh, that's that's a credit to her. And it's also, if I can say, a credit to the crowd, which which did not avail itself, as some might have, of the opportunity to just boo her down entirely. They did listen and they gave her a chance. And I think both sides were the better for it after it was all said and done. And and can I just say, um, Greg, like uh, when you're standing there, you're you're leaning into empathy because people are genuinely hurting and and one of the responsibilities of as mayor of this city premier of this province leaders it is to provide that that understanding and that comfort in that moment of despair because we don't want people sinking into despair no matter how horrible the situation is and um, and she wrote to that, you know, those those blue and white signs that are now up on, on the Nathan Phillips Square. It's, it's clearly saying that Toronto stands with Israel in this moment of dark, dark despair. Well, okay. got it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's uh, yeah. There's that sort of George W. Bush element to it, isn't there? To some extent, Steve, where um, there's, there wasn't a single living there. There wasn't a single American that didn't feel like he didn't. He put his arm around all of us and said, we're going to be OK and we're going to make this right. And we're going to get through this. That was an iconic moment, wasn't it? And we had a mm-hmm. few of those yesterday as well. I, um, mm-hmm. It's it's so fascinating. You know, Doug Ford, for all of the criticism about him, that is well-deserved. Uh, never fails in these moments, actually. He, he's, he's, he's letter perfect on these moments. He knows what to say. He knows how to say it. And he has the crowd with him. Uh, Olivia Chow figured that out yesterday. Um, it's, it, you yeah. know, uh, as much as we want to criticize politicians, and occasionally they do deserve it, yeah. we also look to them to set a tone. And that tone was set yesterday.